0: We have made it through, got you that time. We have made it through another year because of you. Happy New Year, Cornerstone Church. Happy New year. I am glad to be here and glad to see your faces today. Now, we know that the God we serve is not bound by space or by time. that time in general is a God-given tool by which we measure our own days. Time is defined as the continued sequence of existence and events that occur in an apparently irreversible succession from the past to the present by God's grace into the future. We learn certain things from our past that hopefully inform our present existence and experience, but, but nobody knows what is coming around the bend. We analyze and we look out for potential problems and we try as best we can to plan ahead for what we think another year might bring to us. As best we can, we take stock and we make preparations to mitigate our risks. But life has a way of catching us unaware. Life has a way of forcing us to respond to crises our imaginations had not formulated. Life. And the army of Israel found itself in a similar situation in Joshua chapter 10. The Bible says, That after the army of Israel had taken the land of Jericho, they moved further east and took the land of Ai. And after those two great victories, their next target just to the east of Ai was the land of Gideon. But the king of Gideon came up with a plan and he convinced Israel not to overthrow them but to come into an alliance with them to form a peace agreement. And Joshua agreed. Israel was making good progress in taking the promised land. It didn't take long for the king of Jerusalem to notice that fact. And so the king of Jerusalem sent word to the kings of Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and the nation of Eglon, saying to them, come up to me and help me, and let us together attack Gibeon. For Gibeon has made peace with Joshua and the sons of Israel. And up until this time, Joshua and his army had been on the offensive, they were taking ground, they were controlling the battlefield, they were controlling the pace of this holy war. And that's the ideal situation when you're waging war, to control everything about the fight. They were controlling everything about the fight. We would like to be able to control all of our own circumstances in life. We would like to be able to look down the road and to see what is coming and to plan ahead to control our destiny, to control the fight, but life Life doesn't work out that way. One day you feel like you're on top of the world. Everything is going your way and the next day you get bad news that demands all of your time, all of your energy, and all of your attention. Some new threat comes to light and calls you into the fight, sometimes even a fight for your very life. That's what happened to Israel. These five nations, made the decision that Israel's army had to be stopped. And they were going to rout Israel at Gibeon. Their decision was totally unexpected and by this element of surprise they sought to get an advantage over Israel. Israel has had great victories up to this point, and we can assume that Joshua is feeling pretty good about himself, pretty good about his God, pretty good about his army, but Joshua's no fool. He hasn't become overconfident. We can safely assume that the army is feeling like taking the promised land is going to be no more than a cakewalk. I mean, they just walked around Jericho and took it. They walked into Ai and everybody gave up. Gibeon begged and pleaded for their lives. This is going to be an easy fight. I'm sure they assume that. Someone coined the phrase, be careful when you're climbing the mountain. Be careful when everything is going your way. Be careful when life seems to offer you no resistance. Be careful when the adversary appears to have left you to your own devices, not hindering your forward movement, not holding you to account in any way. Be careful and realize that it's only a matter of time. Joshua and his army have been running fast. They've been running hard. And now they're taking just a brief moment to catch their breath, to plan out their next move. And this unexpected word comes from the king of Gibeon. He says to them, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us for all the kings of the Amorites that live in the hill country have assembled against us. Joshua, we need your help. Israel's army, we need your help and we need it now. He sounds, he sounds desperate. His plea to Joshua is urgent and neither Joshua nor his army was prepared for this particular fight. Up to this point they've been in complete control of the battlefield and now in an instant the tables have turned and they find themselves in a conundrum from a state of rest to being called to war in a moment. And they're unprepared. I remember when I was in South Korea stationed there, I went to visit an old friend of mine. We hung out over the whole weekend. He was stationed real close to the DMZ, the demilitarized zone in Korea, where North and South meet. We'd been out all night, the sun had begun to rise, and the sirens began to go off. They had spotted some North Korean men and their equipment moving swiftly toward the DMZ, the the demilitarized zone. And the sirens were sounding. Most of you know this, that the, the war between North and South Korea never officially ended, that technically they're still at war even today. Did you know that? And the demilitarized zone marks where the two nations came to a stalemate. And they hold that stalemate, the DMZ, to this very day. The two nations remain at war. But it's a funny thing, when you first get there, you can sense it, that there is a tension in the air. The United States military pays you a little more money for sending you to South Korea because it is a war zone. Even though no bullets are flying, even though no missiles are in the air, it is technically a war zone. And that siren reminded both of us that we're here for war. My friend jumps up. He starts getting his gear together. He's trying to find his helmet. He can't find his helmet. He procrastinated. He didn't have the right boots he needed to go into battle. And he was running around the room picking up stuff and picking up stuff. And I was looking at him thinking, wow, you're unprepared. The fight is on and now you're scurrying about trying to get ready for the fight. But what about me? I was 30 miles away from my duty station. Traffic in South Korea back in the 80s, traffic in South Korea was terrible. They would make a a, a three-lane highway into an eight-lane highway. Very unorganized. It took me an hour just to get back to my barracks, then 45 more minutes to get my gear together and go over to headquarters to get my orders. The siren is still going off. And all the while as I traveled and got my gear together, my brain was working overtime, trying to adjust from a state of peace to a fighting posture. That's what soldiers have to do. Because you can't remain in fighting posture all the time. Sometimes your mind has to take a break. You can't stay on the wall all the time. But when the siren sounds, you have to be ready to make the adjustment. That's the way it is in military life. That's the way it is in Christian life. Sometimes even if you're not trying to, your mind tends to take a break from being vigilant about the things of God. Sometimes we get lulled to sleep by the fact that not much is really going on in our lives. Not much is changing. There doesn't seem to be much movement on the enemy's side, so we're not praying like we know we should. We're not training our minds to stay God conscious like we know we should. We've become at home in the world. We found that healthy balance, or so we think, that healthy balance between work and play, between religion and secularity, between vigilance and lethargy. We've let our guard down. And the siren sounds. And we're called to war. The siren sounds just like it did for Joshua. And in response to this unanticipated assault, the Bible says, Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the valiant warriors. And the Lord said this to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have handed them over to you. Do not fear them. I have handed them over to you. No one of them will stand against you. This is such an encouraging word as we begin this year, 2023, an encouraging word from the Lord to Joshua. You see, God knows that Joshua and his team are not ready for this fight. God knows that Joshua and his team have been caught off guard and that five armies coming together to fight against them is overwhelming. So he reassures his servant Joshua that even though you're not prepared for this, even though you and your men are in desperate need of a sabbatical, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're spiritually exhausted, even though you're scrambling to find your gear, things feel discombobulating. God promises that their enemy will not prosper before them, that Joshua and his warriors are going to win this fight. And that's all Joshua needed to hear. And that's all we need to be assured of when trouble comes into our lives. That even though we are not as diligent as we should have been, and even though we do not feel up to the task that lies ahead of us, God is faithful. And on with this promise, we can go into the battle laden with our sense of unworthiness and unpreparedness because God is with us and we will win. Though the winning might be a little ugly. To win ugly means to achieve victory after putting in a lot of effort and unglamorous technique. After enduring many, enduring many hardships or overcoming many obstacles, an ugly win. Sometimes you have to get an ugly win. Sometimes you have to break the rules in order to be able to overcome the obstacle that stands in front of you. And the primary obstacle Joshua and his warriors have to overcome is the same obstacle that plagues many or most believers. What is that? It is our tendency to assume that we understand the battlefield better than we actually do. It is our tendency to underestimate our enemies to the point that we gird ourselves with a false sense of security, and the battle proves us to be found wanting. So Joshua gets this order, gets this request from Gibeon, and he came upon them suddenly by marching all night from Gilgal. 30 miles north of Gibeon. The Bible says they marched all night and they made it to Gibeon by morning. 30 miles in 12 hours. Their feet had to be hurting, hurting their legs had to be tired. I'm sure their gear was undone, I'm sure their morale was very low, their emotions were frayed. And none of them knew what to expect when they got there. And this fatigued army finally makes it to the front lines of the battle. A worn out army coming up against a well rested and refreshed enemy. (laughs) But here's another encouraging observation. That God knew that his people were not ready for the fight. And so he bought them some time to get it together. The text says in verse 10 of chapter 10 that the Lord brought the five armies into confusion before Israel, and He struck them down in a great defeat at Gibeon, and God pursued them, by, and God pursued them by the, And God pursued them, by the way of the ascent to Betharon and struck them as far as Akalii and Modecca. God pursued them. Did you hear that? Joshua and his army just showed up. They weren't even ready for the fight. They weren't ready for the fight and they had no time to plan. So God fought for them until they could recover. <laughs> the Bible says in verse 11, as they fled from Israel while they were at the descent of Beth the Lord hurled large stones from heaven on them and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than those whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword. God went to war for his unprepared people. Remember this in 2023 that if you will just show up to the fight, if you will not become discouraged and disillusioned and give up when things get hard. If you will respond to the fight, address the trouble that is is confronting you head on. Even if you have no idea how you're going to come out of this, God will fight for you. In fact, the Bible says that that God did the most effective fighting, he killed more of them than the children of Israel all put together. He destroyed more Amorites than the entire army on that day. He did that for Israel and he'll do that for us. If we will just show up, as tired as we may be, as spiritually exhausted as we may be, if we will just show up, God will fight for us. Israel showed up after walking all night and the battle has been raging all day long and apparently the sun had begun to set and now comes the ugly wind. God's done his part for the day. God has chased the enemy. God has hurled stones at the enemy, but now it's Israel's turn to fight. There's still some work that Joshua and his army need to do. They need to finish what God has started. I'll say that again. They need to finish what God has started. But it looks like they're out of time. The sun is going down. It seems like much is lost and the Amorites are going to have a chance to go away and regroup and come back again and remain a threat for them. But Joshua doesn't want that. Joshua does not want to see this same enemy ever again. And neither do we. It was in the aftermath of World War II, in May 1945, that General Patton and the Third Army had shut down the Nazi war machine, and Patton was standing there in front of his army right on the outskirts of Prague, facing Russia. And Patton pleaded with General Eisenhower and said, please, while we're here, (laughs) since we're already at their doorstep. Give me the green light and I will march my troops into the heart of Russia. We need to contain Russia now. 1945 he knew this. We need to contain them right now while we have an opportunity and they told him no. Here's what Patton said. I have no particular desire to understand the Russians at all except to ascertain how much lead and how much iron it's going to take to kill every last one of them. That's a warrior, ready for a fight. Patton believed that a powerful Russia posed a grave threat to the entire continent of Europe. In 1945, he saw that. In 2023, we're seeing that he was right. When you face your enemy, you want to make sure to get a complete and a total victory. Do not lead to chance that if you hurt him bad enough that he won't be back tomorrow. Patton said, listen, let's end this right now. Joshua says, oh no, the sun is going down. I do not want to see the Amorites ever again. We need to end this today. If the enemy comes out to meet you in 2022, You should not be satisfied with just holding him off. You should finish the work. Some of us right here in this room have been battling with the same problems for years. The same old enemy doing the same old tricks, hurting us the same old ways, disrupting our lives over and over again with the same tactics and the same strategies all because we have not adequately and effectively dismantled his war machine. We get a partial victory over depression and we're satisfied. We get a partial victory over anxiety and we feel like that's enough. We stop the fight. We get a partial victory over our past just enough to give us temporary relief and we leave the battlefield. 2023 there are some problems that we've been facing that we need to put down once and for all Joshua does not want to have to face these Amorites another day he wants to end it right now so he makes one of the most audacious requests that we ever read in scripture as the Amorite army is running away from them Joshua calls out to the Lord in verse 12 And he says this to the sun. Sun, stand still at Gibeon. Moon, stand still at the valley of Ageron. Stand still. In other words, Joshua says, time, stand still. (laughs) What an unglamorous, what an audacious and unorthodox request that he makes that God would override the rules of nature so he and his men can secure an indisputable final victory. Son, stand still. Time, be still until I get the victory. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of year that I'm gearing up for, a year of ugly, unorthodox winning. A year where God shows up and cuts my enemies down to a manageable size for me, and then gives me grace to fight until victory is secured. Ugly winning. (laughs) Where though I may not be all that I need to be to face the challenges that lie ahead of me, that God will abundantly make up the difference and allow me to snatch victory from defeat. Ugly winning. Like Michael Jordan playing with the flu ugly winning I'm tired I'm sick I'm exhausted God I need a miracle I need an ugly win this time the Bible says in verse 13 that God heard him and the sun stood still and the moon stopped (laughs) my mind. the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies that's the kind of victory I'm looking for in 2023 and they won it wasn't pretty it wasn't orderly in fact they weren't even fit for the fight let me ask you the question are you fit for the fight that lies ahead of you in 2023 are you fit for the fight If we'll be honest with ourselves, many of us would have to answer no. I'm not ready for the fight. As you assess your own spiritual health, do you feel like you can handle one more serious challenge with so much on your plate already? Has 2022 left you feeling a bit dissatisfied and spiritually disheveled, tired? Be careful. Would you be able to respond right now with vigor and with effective prayer if the siren of war begins to ring out right now? Most of us would have to say, no, I I have no margin for another problem. I have no margin. If that's you, then you need to prepare yourself 2023 for some ugly winning. Some winning when you aren't even ready. Some winning when the deck seems stacked against you, winning when you don't even have energy to take to the field, ugly winning. How should we prepare for this? Well, over my walk with Jesus Christ, I've been walking with the Lord since I was 13 years old. And Over my walk, I've come to recognize at least four elements to ugly winning. I wanna share them with you this morning briefly. These are not new ideas. They're all biblical, spiritual attributes that we can develop, that we should maintain to help us be ready for the fight whenever we're called to the battlefield. Whenever we're called out by our common struggles in life, whenever we're called out by our hurts, our pains, our habits, and our hang-ups, whenever we're called out by the enemy himself, these four attributes come in handy. We'll help you get an ugly win. The first attribute is the most important one. If we're going to win in 2023, we must acquire and maintain a tenacity of faith. Tenacious faith. Oswald Chambers describes tenacious faith this way. That tenacity is more than endurance. Tenacity is endurance combined with the absolute certainty that what we are looking for is going to come to pass. It is endurance with confidence. Tenacity is more than just hanging on, waiting for trouble to pass. Tenacity is not the ability to hang on in there until things get better. Tenacity is the strength of faith to hold on with the holy expectation that victory will be mine, and that we will overcome this kind of unyielding faith, forces the opposition to earn every single strike against me. Nothing comes for free. <laughs> I fight with all of my spiritual strength, with all of my spiritual vigor to get the victory. We don't always fight like that. We don't always fight like that, you know it's true. In fact, many of us don't don't exercise spiritual warfare nearly enough. Many of us allow life to just beat us down and beat us down and we just hold on and hang on in there and remain pious and say, this too will pass one day. No, no, there are some things that happen in life that you need to overcome. Not wait for the battle to just be over. Not wait for things to just die down. But some things in your life right now need to be addressed and they need to be addressed with a tenacious faith, a demand. Sun, stand still. Moon, stay in your place until I get the victory over this. What is that thing for you? What is that thing for you, that, 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 that stubborn problem? that seems like it just won't move. What is that thing for you? 2023 is the year to address it and to address it with a tenacity of faith that demands that this mountain must be moved. Hmm. That's the first attribute, tenacity of faith. The second attribute is simplicity. Simplicity, keeping first things first. Jesus said it like this, seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. Keep the main thing, the main thing at all times. Paul the apostle tells us that no man goes to war on his own charges and neither, does the children, neither do the children of God. We do not go to war for our own sake. We do not want the victory just for the sake of victory, but we fight for the faith, faith that Jesus Christ has once delivered to his church. We fight under the banner of Jesus Christ our Lord, our primary focus. We lay aside every extravagant religious lesson. We lay aside every seemingly advanced spiritual concept and we get back to the basics of living a simple Christian life, simplicity. When you live a simple life, you're always ready for the fight. When you don't have anything that you need to secure, but you can go into battle right now immediately. Nothing holding you back, not a complicated existence. That's one thing the military does. When you're in the military, they take care of everything for you your family, your medical, your food, everything is cared for because they want you to have a simple existence so that when they give you the call, when the siren goes off, you can go and nothing is holding you back, simplicity. Solomon says we should wear this world like a loose fitting garment, keep it, keep it simple. Don't be attached to too many things in this world, always be ready for the fight tenacity of faith, and simplicity. Then there is discernment, a key attribute in waging war and finding the victory through an ugly win, discernment. Not just the ability to know right from wrong and good from evil, but to know what is good, to know what is better, and to know what is best, discernment. To know what battles are worth the fight. Hmm. To know what prize is worth the work. To ask God to teach us when we should advance and when we should be still, discernment. Then the fourth and final attribute is focus. This is my prayer for us this year, that we remain focused, that we stay focused on what really matters. That we would learn to recognize the scope of our calling and to stay within the bounds that God has established for us, to stay focused. To not use up our energy working on things that God has not blessed and God has not approved. To stay focused. Tenacity, simplicity, discernment, and focus. These are the four attributes that will mark my year for 2023. I hope that you'll consider making them yours as well. Tenacity of faith, simplicity, discernment. Focus. And so in response to this message today, I would like to invite you to participate with me over this year each and every day, to write down three things today, to pray earnestly about it during the day, and to write down three things, three requests that you have before the Lord for 2023, and to commit with me to pray for those three three things every day of 2023 if just for a moment if if just in passing three things that you desire God to do this year pray for yourself one request for yourself one request for your church one request for our nation to take to the offensive to join the fight with tenacious faith and simplicity and discernment and focus to accomplish great things for the Lord our God in 2023. That's my desire and that's my prayer. I hope you make it yours as well. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Every new year, every new season brings with it a sense of excitement, but also trepidation. A sense of confidence, but also a sense of uncertainty, because we do not know what lies around the corner. Father, we confess that most of the time we feel ill-equipped to deal with the challenges, the controversies, the struggles, and the problems that beset us. Father, I pray that this will be the year for ugly wins. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that this year that we will get the victory and that we will overcome obstacles that have been standing in our way for years and years and years. I pray, Father God, that this year we will be able by your Holy Spirit, by your grace, to rout our enemies, to destroy the works of our adversaries, to get victory over our past, to get victory over those stubborn hurts and pains that we feel and experience in our lives this year. May this year be the year for victory. Some of us have been disillusioned. Some of us have gotten tired in the fight. We've become exhausted spiritually. And now we're just going through the motions of religion, not expecting much, just hoping to live out our days in quiet and see you face to face in the end. But we understand, Lord God, that life doesn't work that way. And we're certain of one thing, that 2023 will give us some surprises, some new challenges, some new problem. I pray for us now. That by tenacity of faith, by simplicity, by discernment and by a spiritual focus, that we will be allowed to eke out wins where in the past we would have been defeated by the adversary. Make us overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, by the words of our testimony. In Jesus' name. Amen.